Your forgiveness, your grace, I need every day, like holy water on my skin. Welcome to our worship time this morning, whether you're here, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you're with us this morning. The rose on the, on the altar is in honor of Orville and Bonnie Height who will be celebrating 53 years of marriage on August 24th. Congratulations to you and your family. <clears throat> the moms on the altar are in honor of Marilee Eversman's 84th birthday tomorrow, the 23rd. Um, please wish Marilee a happy birthday. She's listening from home today as she's recuperating from a fall. She's a little sore on her shoulder and upper chest area, so she's a little slow getting around, but if you're able to, please uh, send her a get well wish card or birthday card, which can be sent to her at P.O. Box 232. They're, uh, they are open to the community. If you know someone who would like a meal, please let us know. Sharing life's activities in our faith over a meal is biblical and can be found early in the good book. We invite you to join us in the ministry center for dinner between 6 and 7. If you'd like to have a meal delivered, please call the church office. This week we'll have hamburgers, hot dogs, salad, chips, and cookies. Please look over the bulletin for other items that may be of interest to you. Also, uh, be mindful and look to the church website, especially for those of you listening on the radio or on Facebook. Uh, the staff does an awesome job of updating information and posts. Uh, the bulletin, our, our program for each service. A bunch of links are also found there, the Daily Disciple and, and Words of Inspiration. The church website is easy to find. In your church area, please just type in First Church New Knoxville and it should pop up quickly for you to find. But a few items, uh, items to note from the bulletin. Look for information there on the meeting, uh, confirmation meeting that is coming up. Choir and bell members are starting back up. The more voices and hands involved make it easier for everyone and the quality of what we're able to create and send, sending our worship to our Lord. So consider joining up and having some fun. As I'm, this is a fun, these are fun groups with them as they create and lead us in worship. <clears throat> Fall kickoff and picnic, beginning of a new year of church and worship activities are in the bulletin. Info on our new sermon series. An adult Bible study class, Operation Christmas Child, Agape Ministry Activities, Tailgate for Cancer. And now if you'd please rise and join me in the call to worship.
call to worship is taken from the second chapter of Philippians. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now let us sing hymn number 234, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Please be seated. Let's have the kids come up for children's chat. So kids, what's happening on Tuesday? 
School starts. Yes. Somebody got it. Hey, Miles. Come this way. Come this way. All right, we have some coming down from upstairs. How are you guys today? Good. You're good? You're not looking real awake yet. Have you guys been practicing the getting up to get ready to go to school routine? Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. All right. Come on over. Come on, Lila. Come on, Aisley. So, school starts on Tuesday. Are you guys excited? Yes. Nervous? No. No, not nervous? A little bit scared? No. Not scared? I'm scared. Are you scared? Why are you scared? You're coming to see me. We'll be good, won't we? Yeah. Well, I always love the beginning of school. Get new school supplies, you get to go back to school shopping, and I got to see my friends every day. But sometimes I did get a little nervous. School is a little nerve-wracking sometimes. Will I like my teacher? Will my best friend be in the same class with me? How hard is it going to be? Is my teacher going to give me a lot of homework? You know? But I always found comfort in knowing that Jesus was coming to school with me too. I'm never alone. Jesus is always there with me, only a thought away. So today I brought a student survival kit with me. And in it I have ten different things. We're going to start out with a toothpick. A toothpick helps us remember to pick out the good qualities in everyone around us. In Matthew 7, it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. So, we want to pick out the good qualities in people. Okay? Next, we have a rubber band. That reminds us to be flexible. Okay? Things might not always go the way you want them to. And in Romans 8.28, it says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who believe in him, who have been called according to his purpose. So, we need to remember to be flexible. Next, we have a pencil. A pencil reminds us, to list our blessings every day. I challenge you guys every day to think about the good things that happened at school. Okay? And on the opposite end is the eraser. We all make mistakes, don't we? And that's okay. Because Joseph and his brothers, Joseph's brothers made mistakes. It tells us in Genesis how... They sold him into slavery, but Joseph still forgave them, and it was okay. All right. Next, we have a hug. Everybody needs a hug, don't they? Yeah. You know what? Teachers love hugs, too, so don't forget that. Give your teacher a hug, too. Um, let's see. We have a Band-Aid, 
because sometimes somebody might say something that hurts our feelings. And so we need to remember that sometimes our feelings get hurt, but we just need to let them bounce off. Okay, we need to exercise that forgiveness. Then we have gum. Okay, stick with it. And you can accomplish anything with Jesus' help. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then we have a mint. Because God says, you're worth a mint. Okay? And that means you're worth a lot. Okay? Then I added some smarties. Because we can never not have enough smarts. And a sticker so that we always stick with it. Okay? Things are going to get tough, but we need to stick with it. Okay? So, on the front pew, I have a survival kit for each one of you guys. But before we go get one, we're going to say a quick prayer. Okay? So, can you fold your hands and bow your head? Heavenly Father, please watch over all children as we start back to school. I pray they stay healthy and safe and that they show their friends your love through the things that they do each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, go grab a little bag. Amen. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, kids. As we turn our attention to the point in the service where we reflect on how we can be praying for each other and for our community and our world, I want to Uh, talk about that for a few moments. I also want to highlight a couple of the announcements that Brian shared with us this morning. Starting on September 12th, which is just a few weeks away, we're going to start a new sermon series here. It's the day of our fall kickoff, uh, and we're going to begin preaching through our faith statement, uh, which is something that was shared through the newsletter over the summer. There's also copies of it at the Info Center as well as in the office. I want to encourage you to take a look at that because starting September 12th, we're going to begin preaching through that, talking about what we believe as a church and why we believe it. In addition to those Sunday morning sermons, there's also going to be some small groups that are started. And I want to encourage you to to look at the dates of those and sign up where uh, a time that fits for you. There are groups that are going to be during the Sunday school hour on Sunday morning, as well as Sunday evening, uh, Wednesday evening, and Thursday morning. So there's many opportunities to get connected. Uh, the, the leaders of those groups are listed, although somebody pointed out to me that we didn't talk about where those groups are meeting. So uh, if you're interested in one of those groups, the Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Thursday morning groups are meeting here at the church in the, in the youth room of the ministry center, or excuse me, the, the Sunday morning Sunday school class, the location is still to be determined, but it will be here at the church. Uh, And then the Wednesday night group that is being led by Stan Reinecke and Michelle Dillon uh, will be in one of their homes. They're going to share that responsibility, so the schedule for that will be set up at another time. So I want to encourage you to to get connected, be a part of that. I think it's going to be really important for us as a church to do that going forward. I also want to encourage you to be in prayer. Thanking the Lord for our praise and prayer night last Sunday. What a great opportunity that was to gather as a church family. I want to thank everyone who was involved to make that happen, especially the praise team. And and thinking of prayer, we certainly want to be in prayer for what's happening around our world, and particularly in Afghanistan. Be in prayer for those that are in harm's way, especially uh, American citizens and allies, as well as 
uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are uh, going to be directly affected by what's happening in Afghanistan. So encourage you to be in prayer for those things. Our offering this morning goes to support the junior and senior high youth group. Want to encourage you to be in support of them this morning. Um, they got a lot of exciting, fun things happening this fall, as well as what they've been doing over the summer. Uh, I had a lot of questions about what in the world was happening in the backyard of the Parsonage on Wednesday night with the Splash Bash. It was awesome. Um, and, and our offering this morning is going to go to support that ministry. The, I invite the deacons to come forward at this time. you to remain standing as we continue to worship our Lord and Savior together. Our next praise song is Good, Good Father.
with me at this time. Father God, we come to you, come to you this morning because we know that you are a good, good father. We know that you love us, that you provide for us, that you care for us. And all good and perfect gifts ultimately come from you. So we thank you, Father, for all that you've done and all you've provided for us. And especially, Lord, because of what you've done for us to your son, Jesus Christ. He is our greatest gift. And the salvation we can know and experience in him is the greatest blessing that we can experience in this life. Everything else that this world has to offer pales in comparison to knowing you, being saved by you, and experiencing the love that you pour out into our hearts through your Holy Spirit. And so as we gather here today, Lord, we ask for your spirit to move in our hearts and minds. We ask that you would provide for us, Lord, like only a good, good father can. For those who are in need of healing, we ask for healing. For those who are in need of provision, Lord, we ask for provision. For those who need reconciliation and restoration, Lord, we pray for that as well. And Lord, we come to you knowing that that we have an idea of how things should work out. We think we know what's best for ourselves. But we entrust ourselves to your care because we know and believe and we trust that your will is what's best for us. And so, Lord, we ask for you to work according to your will in all of these situations. Lord, we do pray, especially for this day, our teachers and our students who are beginning a new school year. Some districts began last week. Some are beginning this week, Lord. And we ask for your blessing upon this school year. We ask for your blessing upon teachers and administrators and staff, Lord, uh, as they guide and lead our districts. And we ask for blessing upon our students as they begin a new school year. May they learn, Lord, not just information, but, but learn what it means to, to know and, and interact with, with those around them. And, Lord, may, our, may your church, your people, Lord, be, be beacons of light in those schools this year. Lord, we also pray this day for what's happening in Afghanistan. We ask for your blessing on just, Lord, we ask for you to work in that situation. Lord, when when we hear reports of what's happening in that country and uh, what has happened over the last couple weeks, Lord, sometimes we don't know what to pray for because of the just the tragedies that are taking place. And so, Lord, we we just lay it at your feet. We ask for your protection upon our troops, our, uh, our citizens and allies who are still in the country. And I pray, Lord, that they would be able to be removed from harm's way as soon as possible. We also ask for your special protection upon our brothers and sisters in Christ in that country. Uh, Lord, what was already maybe a, a difficult place to, to be a follower of Christ instantly became even more difficult overnight. And so we ask, Lord, uh, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to continue to gather to worship in spite of what's happening, that you would bless them. Lord, enable them to be faithful to you no matter the cost. And we pray also, Lord, for that same attitude in our own lives. May we choose to follow you no matter what the cost is for us because you, Lord, are worth it. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I I had with you before the world began. Thank you, Maria, and thank you. Lord, for the reading of your word. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we get to gather as your people here in this place and study your word together. Uh, Lord, I pray that our worship this morning through song, through prayer, uh, through scripture, and now through this message would be honoring and pleasing to you. Father God, I pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, would give me words to speak and you'd open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this day. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So two years ago, about two years ago this month, Allie and I got to uh, enjoy a vacation to San Francisco. It was in honor of our 10th anniversary. Um, It was obviously before all of this COVID stuff happened, and it was not a care in our minds traveling across the country like that. It was a wonderful time. Uh, About a week or so, we were gone. We had no kids with us. We had no responsibilities. It was amazing. And I remember, though, when we got ready to come home, there was like this feeling in my gut of, oh, man, we got to go back, don't we? Right? We have to go back to the real world. We had to leave this temporary fleeting glory of our vacation and return to our normal everyday responsibilities. But the return to a normal everyday mundane life, us, you know, it was a bit of a shock to our system. In one sense... You know, even before we left, like days leading up to the end of our vacation, I was already dreading that return home. The plane ride was the worst. We knew what awaited us in Ohio when we returned from our week of vacation. Now, why am I sharing this with you this morning? Uh, Let me first be clear and and state this up front. Uh, San Francisco is not heaven, right? Let me be clear on that right now. But, but think about what Jesus went through in the incarnation. Here's the eternal Son of God, right, in glory with the Father and the Spirit since before the beginning of time, entering into our world, taking on the flesh of a human being, right? Here's, he, he was worshipped constantly by angels since the beginning of time and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, together, 
And then the next minute, he's welcomed into the world in a smelly, noisy manger surrounded by animals to unwed parents. He grew up in a relative obscurity in a backwater town of Nazareth and trained as a carpenter under his adopted dad. And he then spent close to three years as a traveling preacher, moving from place to place, never having so much as a home to call his own. Talk about a world of difference between those two realities. What he experienced from the beginning of time, angels bowing down and worshiping him to, to the experience that he went through for his some 33 years on this life. That's a big change that he went through. Now the primary focus, we're, we're going to be spending the next few weeks looking at John 17, which is sometimes called the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus praying in the garden the night he was betrayed. And the primary focus on the first part of his prayer is on himself. All right, it's on, on himself and the glory that he had with the Father and will experience again. During the incarnation, when Jesus came to this world, he willingly set aside his heavenly glory and embraced his humanity. And now on the night that he's betrayed, Jesus prays that the Father would once again glorify the Son. You see, Jesus is about to make that return trip. You know, for us on our vacation, it was returning from a, a week away to our normal everyday experiences. But for Jesus, it was almost the reverse direction. He was returning from the experience of living in this world as a human being, fully God and fully man, and returning once again to the Father to experience his heavenly glory. And the path to that glory, the way that Jesus was going to experience that once again was through the cross. And so with all of that in mind, how does he spend his last night on earth, his last hours with his disciples? Well, he spent them not only teaching them, but also in prayer. As I said, John 17 is often called the high priestly prayer. It's high priestly in the sense that Jesus, as our great high priest, took time to pray for himself. But the majority of the time in this prayer, as we'll see over the next couple of weeks, is praying for his disciples and all those who will believe in the word of God, which includes us as well. What's fascinating about this prayer is that it's the longest prayer of Jesus recorded in the Gospels. In fact, it's one of the only prayers that we have recorded in the Gospels. Now, the Gospels are very clear, especially the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus prayed all the time. He would often go off by himself to pray. He would pray with his disciples. In fact, he, they saw him praying so often that his disciples asked him, so, asked him to teach them how to pray, right? That's where we get the Lord's Prayer from. But in, fa- in, the, in, in terms of the content of what Jesus prayed for, we don't have a whole lot in the Gospels besides a few sentences here and there and then John 17. So I, I, it's, it's, I have to ask myself, why would this prayer, of all the things that Jesus prayed for and all the times that he prayed, why is this one the one that we have recorded in our Bible for us? It must be important, right? There's no other explanation for it. The prayer was significant enough that John remembered it and wrote it down. And it's also important for us because it was preserved through the work and inspiration of the Holy Spirit for us today, some 2,000 years later. 
And so we're going to talk about it over the next couple of weeks. We're going to take a look at what Jesus prayed for and what it means for us. As I mentioned already, the majority of his prayer, which we'll say for the next couple of weeks, is him praying for his disciples. He first prays for the 12 of them, and then he goes on to pray for all who would believe in their message, which is all Christians through all time, including ourselves. But before he does that, he prays for himself. And he doesn't so much ask for anything, right? When we pray for ourselves, usually we spend time asking for stuff, right? We, we want God to provide in some way. We want uh, to see a situation that we're facing change for the better. But that's not exactly what Jesus is praying for here. He doesn't ask the Father to provide anything necessarily. Instead, he focuses on this idea of, of God's glory being made known. And that word glory there, the Greek word behind that is the word doxa. Now, some of you may, that may ring a bell here. What did we just spend some time in the service singing the doxology, right? We, we after the offering and, and as the, the offering is being brought forward as an offering to God, we sing the words, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Right, that doxology is a word of praise or a word of glory that we are offering up to God as a way to honor him and praise him. Because that's really at the core of what glory means. It means to give someone or something praise and honor and glory. It also has the implications of, of just majesty and beauty and significance as well. It's a very weighty kind of term. And so in this prayer, we get a glimpse of what brings Jesus glory. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about here this morning. Let's learn from that. What is it that brings Jesus glory? And then ask what that should mean for us today. And so we see here in John 17, these first five verses, that Jesus is glorified in the Father, and the Father is glorified through Jesus. I've noted already that that Jesus' glory doesn't, doesn't start at his incarnation. It doesn't start at the cross or the resurrection. That's simply the continuation of the glory that he's experienced as the eternal son of God since before time began. And Jesus even acknowledges that in his prayer. He says, he starts by saying, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. But then he also goes on in verse five. And now father glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. See, Jesus is glorified in the Father. The Father is glorified in the Son. But this isn't something new that's happening. It's something that's been in existence since before creation. Again, think about what Jesus gave up for us. Set aside his eternal heavenly glory. He didn't give it up. He, he, did, set aside, he did set it aside, but he didn't give it up completely. Right? We believe that Jesus was both 100% man, but also 100% God at the same time. So he set it aside, but he didn't, he didn't relinquish his rights to it. He didn't give it up completely. Instead, it's like he hit the pause button. Now, when I was a kid and I was watching particularly sports on TV, whenever there was a commercial break, I remember having to run to the kitchen or run to the bathroom, right? Because I wanted to get done what I needed to get done, bring the snack back to living room before I missed a pitch or before I missed one down. Right? And, and we didn't have the ability at that time to pause live TV. So you ran the risk of going and, and running your errands 
and then missing something if you didn't get back in time. But nowadays it's completely different, isn't it? We can pause live TV, right? So I can hit the pause button. I can go do what I need to do and then get back. Whenever I get back, hit pause again, and it starts right from there. Never have to miss anything. When Jesus was born in that stable, it's like he hit the pause button on his divine glory as the eternal son of God. He momentarily set it aside in order to accomplish the work that his father had sent him to do. And after his death, resurrection, and ascension, he'll once again enter into that glory. He'll unpause it, and all of the heavenly hosts will praise him again. And in one sense, he will have never missed. And so God, Jesus is glorified in and through the Father, and the Father also is glorified in Jesus. In fact, each member of the Trinity glorifies the others. And we see that throughout the Gospels. The Son, is, the Son glorifies the Father. The Father glorifies the Son. Uh, the Spirit glorifies them both. Right? And we get a great picture of this in the baptism of Jesus. You see that at the beginning of Matthew and Luke when Jesus is baptized and, and the Father speaks from heaven and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus as a dove. You see all three members of the Trinity working together to glorify each other. But this also teaches us that, that God's glory, Jesus, the Father, Son, and Spirit, the glory of God is not dependent upon us. I think that's an important distinction to make here because we often think of glory as worship and praise, right? We give God glory through our worship. We, we glorify him through our lives and our obedience to him. Yes, that is true, but God's glory at the same time is not dependent upon us. You see here, he had that glory in the presence of the Father. Jesus had that glory in the presence of the Father before the world began, which means that Jesus had all the glory before there was anything else to glorify him. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit have eternal glory, which means that it's not dependent upon us. God doesn't need us to give him glory. He already has all of the glory. The author C.S. Lewis in his book, The Pain of, Glo the Pain of Glory, said this, A man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. God is glorified. God is worthy of all of our praise. And, and he's not waiting for us to give it to him. Right? He's not like he's dependent upon that. Yet he invites us to participate in that eternal worship. He invites us to experience his glory by loving and serving him. And so when we worship, we're not creating glory for God in that sense. We are joining in the praise that has existed before creation and will continue to exist forever. You see, we were created to worship. And we all are wired to worship something. So the question isn't what we will worship, or excuse me, the question isn't if we will worship. The question is what we will worship. One of the great... Uh, catechisms that came out of the Reformation alongside the Heidelberg is known as the Westminster, Westminster Shorter Catechism. And it starts off with this very simple question. What is the chief end of man? Might put that today. What purpose, what is our purpose in life is another way to maybe put that in modern terms. And we can answer that with all sorts of, all sorts of things, right? Our 
purpose in life is to be a good person. Our purpose in life is to be successful. Our purpose in life is to have a good family and, and raise children to know and love the Lord. Our purpose, some people may say their purpose in life is to gain power or money or fame. Right? We can fill in that answer with lots and lots of different things. But none of those things matter, no matter how good they may be, because it's, those are not the reasons why we were created. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says the chief end of man is to worship God and to enjoy him forever. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is our main purpose. We were made to know God, to glorify him, to enjoy him. Not because he's dependent upon it, but because he invites us to participate in it. When we worship God, we fulfill the reason why we were created. So Jesus is glorified in the Father, and the Father in turn is glorified in the Son. We also see here in this prayer that that Jesus is glorified in his death on the cross. He begins this prayer by saying, Father, the hour has come. Remember, where and when is Jesus praying this? He's praying it in the garden. Judas is is, is literally moments away from leading an angry mob to come and arrest him so that he can be falsely accused, beaten, and crucified. Jesus is glorified when he completes the work the Father sent him to do. And what is that work? To teach? Yeah, that's part of it. To point people to the Father? Yes, that's certainly part of it. But the main reason why Jesus came was to die on the cross so that we could be saved was to offer himself as the atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we could be forgiven. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Right? That's his purpose. And we have to, for one more, uh, we don't have to look further than the Apostle John himself and maybe some of the most famous and well-known words in all of Scripture in John 3:16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's his purpose. And the time to, to complete that had now come. And Jesus would also be glorified through his subsequent resurrection and exaltation. It's not just his death, but it's everything. Think again back to our call to worship this morning in Philippians chapter 2, right? About how Jesus set aside his, his, his rights as God, even though he was in very nature God, right? He set those things aside to become obedient to the point of death on the cross. But then what does it say? Therefore... God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? The, the, the key part of that passage is at the beginning of verse 9 where it says, Therefore, right? I've, I've, I know I've said this here before, but I'll bear repeating it again. Whenever you see the word therefore in Scripture, you want to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Right? What is it pointing to? 
it's pointing to Jesus' death on the cross is the means through which he is then glorified. It's his obedience to the Father to the point of death that all of creation will then acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That was the decisive moment in the war against sin and death. That was the point where victory was achieved. And I have to say this too. Jesus' glory is now somehow greater because he saved and redeemed his people from sin. It's not that his glory before that point was, was, some, was, was insignificant. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he is now glorified to an even greater extent. I know we just studied the book of Revelation. We didn't go anywhere past chapter 3. But if you look ahead to chapters 4 and 5, and and we get this picture of the worship that's happening in the throne room of heaven, it's the lamb who appeared to have been slain that is being worshipped. Right. Jesus himself in chapter 1 of Revelation says he is the one who was dead and is now alive, who holds the keys to death and Hades. Right? It is through his death and resurrection that he is even more glorious than he was before. The Japanese have an uh, a art form, I guess is what you'd call it, uh, where they take broken pottery, piece of pottery, whether it's a bowl or vase or something like that, and they will break it. They'll shatter it. But then they'll piece it back together. When we fix things, we try to make it look as if it had never been broken, right? We try to make sure there's no cracks, nothing is visible. But in this art form, they take actually, like literally they take gold and put it in the cracks of the pottery. So that you can see exactly where that, that vase had been broken. And the reason they, and they do that, and suddenly there's an even greater piece of art there than there was before. There was the beauty of the original, but then also the, the gold lines and cracks that fill it out. It was even greater for having been broken. Finally, the last thing that Jesus says brings him glory is when people receive eternal life through Christ. Eternal life is to have a relationship with the Father through the Son. To know, again, is not an intellectual ascent or having the right kind of information. It's relational. To know God is to know Him intimately, to love Him, to be committed to Him, to obey Him, to have a relationship with Him. It's far more than just knowing about something. And it's something that is, that is given not earned. It's something we receive because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Because his hour has now come, we can know and receive eternal life because of him and what he's done. And we can't separate knowing God from knowing Jesus, right? It's one and the same. John three thirty six says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And, and then in chapter 5, he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very same scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come and have life. See, Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us in its fullness. And it's through Jesus, through what he's done for us on the cross and, and through his resurrection from the grave that we can know and experience eternal life. And we can know the Father because of what Jesus has done for us. And so in closing, I just want to ask 
a couple questions for you to think about. Jesus' primary concern was, with the glor- was, was to glorify the Father. Is that your primary concern as well in life? Are you more concerned with God's glory or with your own? Are you more focused on Christ and serving Him and loving Him? Or are you more concerned with, with your own pleasures and your own focus in this world? And what does it look like to devote your life to God's glory? See, the greatest way to glorify God in our world today is to live for Him, to live within His will, to deny yourself, to take up your cross every day and follow Him, and to live in the great commandment and the great commission, right? To love God, to love others, and to make disciples. That's God's will for every believer, right? We sometimes ask, well, if I just knew God's will for my life, then of course I would do it. That is God's will for your life. That's God's will for everybody, that we would love him, love others, and make disciples. It's just a matter of working out what that looks like for you in particular. We also have to ask, how does God's glory change our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions? Well, it teaches us to be thankful in our joys. Right? If we truly believe that every good and perfect gift is from above... We know that in every good thing in life, we can take that and thank him for it. We can give him the praise and honor and glory he deserves because we know that he is the source of every good thing. There's a, a friend of mine, that I, a pastor I knew before I moved here to New Knoxville. Whenever you asked him how he was doing, he would always say, better than I deserve. Right? But isn't that true for all of us? We are all better than we deserve because of the grace of Christ. And God's glory also teaches us to look at our hardships differently as well. Rather than ask, why is this happening to me or why did I deserve this? We can learn to ask, what is God teaching me in this moment? And how can God use this, even my hardship, for his glory? Right? If, if, the, if one of the greatest moments of God's glory was the Son of God hanging on the cross, dying for us, then God can surely use our hardships, our pain, our struggles for his glory as well. I love it when a a good plan comes together unknowingly, but I have the last verse I want to read to you is what Maria actually referenced during her children's chat, and that's in Genesis 50, 20. This is Joseph speaking to his brothers after all of the hardships, all of the betrayal, all of the hurt he'd been through. He looks at them and says, what you intended to harm, you intended to harm me, But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And that's what he wants to do in and through whatever hardships we can experience. He wants to, whatever was intended to harm us, God wants to use that for good to accomplish his will. Let's pray together. Father God, you are certainly worthy of our praise. Lord, as we look today uh, from Jesus' own prayer and own words about what it means to glorify you, we ask that you would make that a reality in our lives. Lord, you are most glorified in and through your son, Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross and when we experience eternal life. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know and experience that today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Our closing song this morning is um, a newer song. It was uh, part of the Easter service, so it may be familiar to you. But it's a song, Is He Worthy? The praise theme is going to be leading us in that. I do want to encourage you to stand and join us in these closing songs. Sing along as you are able. but, But 
hear this question. You know, is he worthy of our worship and praise? Of course he is. Let's worship him now.
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.